I'm going to preach a couple of sermons on this subject that I'll get to in just a moment. In, in preface to that, the cynicism among us statistically is higher than it's been for a long time. Uh, U.S., I'm talking about North American U.S. citizens, uh, we don't trust, pick one, politicians. Uh, we don't trust the church. We don't trust, you name it, you know, it's like everybody's out to hurt me or else out to keep me from having any fun. And um, parents can just cramp our style if we want to live selfishly and as if there is no tomorrow and we are the center of the universe. Have you ever noticed that they will challenge that? It's kind of thoughtless of them, isn't it? Sorry, I, I shouldn't do that to you. Yes, I really should. I should just make it a little kinder. But anyway, cynicism is a real deal. And um, one of the things that people are cynical about the church is all they want is my money. And, of course, that's true. You don't even need to come. Just send your check, please. Now, those of you, <laughs> those of you who know me chuckled, and the rest of you is like, is this guy for real? No, I'm not really for real. Not really. Uh, the other day, one of our gals... Um, was hysterical because the little boy in the house had swallowed a quarter and she screamed for her husband to to call the doctor and instead he called me. And she was upset. We don't need the pastor. We need medical help. And her husband said, hey, our pastor can get money out of anyone. Now, I hope makes it a little more friendly as I tackle the subject of money uh, in the church. Um, interestingly, the Bible has more to say about money than almost any other subject. Jesus did say more about money than anything else. Heaven, hell, salvation, so forth. Money. Why? Well, just think about the stuff that dominates your thoughts through the course of of the week. What's on your mind? If you've got a lot of money, all you need is about 20% more. If you don't have very much money, you, just, you may need 50% or 100% more. We all kind of mess around in that. And this becomes then a spiritual issue if we are Christian, because we live by faith, not by worry about money. So, it's important for me to talk about money. By the way, the first 14, 15 years of my pastoral ministry, I did not preach about tithing, which is a, a claim from the Scripture on some of your money. And uh, I was, I guess I was kind of proud of that. There was a complicating factor. Back then in those churches where I was, there was two different churches in those 14 years, Back then, one of the ways that they salaried the pastor was just to take the Sunday tithe offering and give him a percentage of it, whatever came in. Uh, in our first church, we got 80%. And uh, I, had, I had our treasurer hold out 10 bucks a week as a, as a kind of a tax thing to help me with my taxes because 
anyway, that was a practice. And so one Sunday I owed the church two bucks because $10 came in and anyway. Um, Now we, the the next church, the Lord blessed and blessed and blessed and, and I cut my percentage two different times. And it's it's fun to be among people who believe God and you're in a position to cut the amount that you take. Now, when I came to, to Kansas City, um, I was put on a salary and suddenly I realized, you know, I thought this would, you know, it's like he's a vested interest. He's got, you know, he's preaching about tithes so he can get more money in those first two churches. And they might have thought that. Uh, and it's like, so the scripture's not true if they would think that, right? So I, I apologize. I hope the Lord forgives me for that. I, I didn't mean to hurt them. They did tie. They were wonderful people in their, in their generosity with the Lord's work. But uh, when it came here, it's like, you know what? Unless the bottom falls out, your salary is going to be paid whether they tithe or not. I might ought to teach them what the Scripture says and try to help them with their finances. And so my deal today is we have an answer for your financial problems. We have an answer for your money worries. And... There are several things about this. First of all, I've already said the Bible says more about money than just about anything else. Giving to this church will help us get where we want to be as a church. And where we want to be as a church when it comes to the money thing, because we are, we are working under uh, the umbrella of love God, love others. That's who we are and what we do. We plan to facilitate that by growing connecting and going and this growing we want to grow in our own spirit we want to grow in connection with other people and connection with God and then we want to go we want to go to our community uh this this church has done uh every week it takes uh some backpacks to a school where kids kind of live on what they get at school as far as food is concerned and the weekends can get really really thin when it comes to food at their house and so these backpacks full of food that kind of get them through the weekend till they can get back to school to eat yes there are people that are that poor in our culture and we help a little bit that's a little we also need to spread the word into people who are affluent. If you understand what the scripture says about uh, needing Jesus as Savior, it, your, your financial position uh, is sort of irrelevant. It is your faith in Jesus Christ that saves you and your commitment of your life to walk with him. So what we have to do then as a people is get the message out. And sometimes... If we have some money to work with, we can do a better job of that. Now, the third thing, and this, uh, if I wanted to couch this in the what's in it for me context, here's what's in it for you. Obeying what God says about managing the money that you have. Let me start over. Obeying him 
with that money is going to bring a sense that there is more money there than, than you can really see, that catastrophes that were coming financially may not happen at all. In other words, if you will be faithful to God, walking in faith with your money, there will be fewer financial problems at your house. So come on in, you know, just come on in because God welcomes you. A few years ago, uh, it was while our kids were still in college and they went to a private school and just between us children, that school ain't cheap, okay? You understand ain't cheap? Well, it ain't. And so the, I, I looked, it was like about in February of, a, of that year, and it looked like there were four different impacts that were going to hit our finances of about twelve to $1,500 a piece. And that's big stuff. Even today in our little life, that's, that's a chunk. So I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I prayed, and I was faithful. Eunice and I have been uh, very faithful in trying to obey the Scriptures about giving to the Lord. And uh, so everything got put off a month or two, and I had enough money to pay that first one when it came due. That was kind of cool. It's like, well, God went out of the way. I was like, I'm 25% better off than I was. And the others got put off and put off until I had the money for the second one, chunk, and we paid it. And that stalling business went on, and I paid the third one out just out of the family budget. We were sucking it in, you know. You, you look for money, you can probably find it somewhere. And the fourth one never even happened. That just went away. Now, what does that say? You're newbie, you're really silly if you worry. Okay, besides that, what does it say? It says that God is as interested in our finances as he is in our eternal salvation, it looks like. Now, the fact is, He's interested in it all, and it's really not wise to try to categorize which is more important to God because he's the father. He is a father, and some of you dads are good dads. I'm sorry, that was a little slam, but anyway, it just slipped out on me. Uh, guys that have been around here for a long time know that every once in a while fathers can get body slammed. And uh, so here we are. God cares about his kids like you guys care about your kids. And I was looking at these handsome men standing up here this morning bringing these infants to the Lord, and it's like, oh, my goodness, this looks good. These guys may be very, very serious about parenting and wanting to do the right thing. That was an impression I had. And that being the case, they are going to take care of their kids' needs. And if it's, if it's at all possible, the child will never miss a meal. Never, ever. 
Ms. Mill, will always be adequately dressed, always. Never suffer from the cold. Have, enough, have a coat that will turn it. Have gloves. You watch these old guys. You watch these guys. Just watch them. Give them a few years if Jesus waits to come and see how they parent these kids. Because I, I think I sensed that. I'd, sometimes I'm a prophet. Sometimes I'm not. I'm not going to make any claims this morning. But that was the sense I had. Our father loves more than we as human fathers, has a few more assets than we, including power to even do stuff on the inside of us and heal us when we are broken. Listen, being his kid is a good thing. Last Sunday, I read this scripture, and I want this to kind of set the tone for today and next Sunday. Do you not know, this is 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We talk about my money and giving offerings out of my money and so forth. Actually, it's all his stuff if we belong to him. One of the things that really puts off uh, people who have not come to Jesus is the thought that they would belong to somebody besides themselves. Now, they've done a really poor job in many cases of running their life, but, you know, I don't want anybody else. What if God is bad? What if he's bad? And if I really surrender to him, he'll just hurt me. There's been a lot of the church world in the North America that has been taught that God is out to get you. And you better be really careful about what you say. Be careful about what you pray. I've heard, I've heard people in our own circles say that. It's like, what? God is bad. You've got to watch him. Is what you're saying. Be careful what you pray. God might answer it. <laughs> you think he's so bad that if you pray a funky prayer, he's just going to shove it down your throat anyway? That's what you would do as a father, right? He's not nearly as passive-aggressive as you are. So let's get over that. We got to keep on the move. Got to keep moving because if you get still, God's great big fist might come down and you'll smash. It's a little greasy spot there. Or in Oklahoma, a greasy spot. Now, and if you're offended by that, don't be because I'm an Okie. But anyway, the, the thing of having to escape from God is just not a real deal. You're never so safe. I was praying for someone today, or this past week, rather, and I was kind of concerned about their safety and so forth, and I said, oh, God, just get them in your will. Get them in your will, because there is no place so safe as when we're in God's will. Yes. So, hallelujah, that's a, that's a fun thing to contemplate. God owns us, and so let me deal with two things this morning. Number one, God, you, and money. Money is an extension of our very life, of our, the essence of who we are. We give our time. We give our capabilities, our expertises. Uh, we give our effort, and that converts under normal circumstances into cash. It's called a paycheck. And so we take our life and give it over here to this firm for these hours per week, 
and then that converts to that which we call money. Now, if we belong to God, then our money belongs to Him. It belongs it in two ways. First of all, by His ownership of us. So whatever we own, if He owns us, uh, and the master of the slave owns not only the slave, but all the slave owns. That's the, that's the way it works. And the other thing is that we, that God owns us because he has bought us. He paid a price to have us his own. If you think God is bad, look at what it cost him to get you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He's serious about you and about owning you and about you belonging to him and about your worth. He gave his only begotten son. So don't make light of how God feels about you because it's just not accurate. That's just not He's, he, he likes you more than you like yourself. He likes you more than we like you. Keep that in mind. He is a friend when we're not. He likes you, has given Jesus for you. So accept the fact that what you own is really his. There is a, there is a scripture that sort of illustrates this owning of everything. Jesus was tempted by Satan in Romans um, I'm going to read in Romans 6 in a minute, but Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Satan took him to a high mountain where he could see many of the capitals of these little nations around and, and said, if you, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. And we say, he was lying. Well, he might have been, because if he doesn't lie, it's, it's a real strain. But the fact is, Satan had gotten control of this because we, humankind, became slaves of his. The Scripture says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether to your slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. This slave business, you see, Satan could risk all of these kingdoms because when Jesus bowed, he, be, he would become subject to Satan, and if, he, if Satan gave him this, all of it would come back immediately. You see that? So what we have to do is realize that everything that God gives to us and we walk in righteousness with him is his God. It, he, has, he owns it. Uh, we, we demonstrated that this morning with these beautiful little children. We gave them to God. And let me just allay your fears one more time, dear one. If you think God is, is eager to get your kid so he can crush him, you don't know God. He is good. He is loving. His attitude about little children was demonstrated in the scripture I read from the 10th chapter of Mark where Jesus was incensed that the disciples were keeping little kids away from him. And he says, you stopped doing that and you always let them continue to come to me. Is what the original language says. 
And so Jesus was loving those little kids, and Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So now you know how God feels about your kid. He's trying to get him up on his lap and just love him and heal him, and it's a wonderful wonderful thing it's like oh my goodness where is he at 2 a.m well i uh i'm not sure but anyway uh so the thing about god you and money is that god owns you therefore he owns your money number two let's look at god you and work in first thessalonians 4 the scripture says make it your ambition to lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you might not be dependent on anybody the way that god usually gives us wealth is through income on a job you say well it's going <laughs> it's going to be you either have to redefine wealth or it's going to be a long time before I'm wealthy because of what I make per week. Try this. Try doing what God says about your money. It's his money, but it's in your possession. It's in, in a bank account under your name. Just know that God's the, the, he's above that. And try doing it his way and then see if you, if you, Operate in a conservative fashion what you can accumulate over time. And, and if you're like I am, I want it now. Somebody just give me five million bucks and be done with it. Okay? Let's just get me out of your hair. Right? That's the way we are. That's, that's the impatience that we all suffer with. Now, I read a book the other day about the new millionaires. And, of course, we... we we hear about the billionaires and, and some of that stuff. But the new millionaires are people who have made a relatively modest salary and just saved a chunk of it. And the author of the book specifically named school teachers. And you know that those are the high rollers when it comes to to income. They are, oh my goodness, they make so much money. Uh, I don't know where they start today. Not very many years ago, it was under $30,000 for the kind of training they've had to have and for what they go through to mess with our kids. But what these people have done is just keep part of it and keep part of it and not blow it and not get carried away with all of these toys Listen, let me, let me give you some advice. If you're hanging out with people that have incredibly expensive toys, and it just baits you, you just, oh, ah, mm, you might ought to get some friends who are a little simpler. Just, just, uh, just get with somebody who is, who is um, satisfied with, with eating out at a simple place once a week and entertaining themselves by watching a ball game on TV or playing a table game or something like that. And you can save a lot of money. Now, if you've got the money for toys, get them a few. Don't, don't blow all God's money on that, but get some. Come by and pick me up and let me enjoy it with you. 
And by the way, if you are willing to say that to your friends, man, I am, I love that new car. Come and get me and take me for a ride. If you are willing to be that humble and that simple, you can hang on to these friends with all these toys. They probably need you, and if they don't need you now, they will later. Stay full of the Spirit, so when they need you, you will have something to give them. This is good advice, church. Kids, this is good advice. Um, I think the best illustration of this that I can say is, have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins? Have you ever seen that? Wins what? First of all. Second, he who dies with the most toys is dead on a doornail. He left them all. He took not one toy with him. What a shallow way to see life. What a sad picture of what's important. Man, you should see my garage. I had to build a larger one on for my boat and my RV, my jet ski, and uh, you need jet ski for one season, and for my um, snowmobile, you need that for that other season. And if you can't do it around here, you put it on a trailer and you go somewhere and pay a lot of money for a hotel room and you go around and out in the boondocks and break your neck there. Uh, I mean, enjoy your, jet, uh, your what you call a snowmobile there. The, the toy business is, and if you sell toys, I'm not trying to mess you up. I want to make us free from financial worry. If we believed the promises of God and operated in obedience to those promises, no matter how broke you got, you would never have to worry. You do not have to stay awake one night and worry. You do not have to have one fight with your wife about money if you are inside that box I just built. Because God will take care of you there. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And the stories that I could tell you from our own experience are, are there's quite a few of them, and it's so much fun to to do that. I was I was as, as I was preparing for those the last few weeks, one story that kept coming back, and I said I've already told that there. And my wife says you need some new stories, and I said that's the only stuff that's ever happened to me. But so nothing more has happened to me about that. So you get this story again. I was in Bible school, and we were so poor. Oh, shoot. I would throw the pennies when I came in. If I had any change, any copper coins, I'd throw them in my desk drawer. And uh, in, our, in our dorm, we had a vending machine that had pints, not half pints. You maybe never have seen a vending machine with a pint of milk. But we had one, and it cost 15 cents. And then we had a, a candy machine... And the almond Hershey's cost a nickel. You're guessing that this was a while ago. But these are the correct figures. And so when I would, so when I would find myself in the dorm, middle of the evening, starved, because I wouldn't eat the cafeteria food, spoiled brat, wouldn't eat the food. Uh, they went to great lengths to keep us from eating it, by the way. But I should have disciplined myself and eaten it anyway. But I didn't. And so starved 9 p.m. And so I go to my drawer and I get these pennies out. And if there's 15 there, 
I start up the hall trying to con somebody into giving me a nickel for five pennies. And guys didn't have a lot of coins in the first place. In the second place, they didn't want to trade down. But I would get somebody so I could get a pint of milk. And if I, could, if I had a quarter in there, I'd just do the whole thing. I'd, eat, I'd do the pint of milk and two almond Hershey's. That's a pretty good balanced meal. And that's how poor we were, okay? And the first year I was at school, my parents generously gave me five bucks a week as my spending money. That was to put gas in my car, um, eat out, date, clean whatever cleaning I needed to get done, that, that sort of thing. Five bucks. Every Wednesday, we, I, my letter from mom came from home and had a $5 bill in it. Every Wednesday, we had a missions chapel. And so these missionary speakers would come in, and many times they would receive an offering. Okay, now, here's the story. There's not any question about me having any money on me at that chapel because I went from the chapel downstairs to the post office and got my letter. So, you know, there's not any money. I mean, it's like clean. I mean, I've got 17 cents here. Yeah, not that, not that Wednesday, any Wednesday. I just wouldn't have it, except on this occasion because there was a banquet coming up, and I was supposed to buy a corsage for this girl. It was on Friday. I had $5. I had a $5 bill in my pocket at the Wednesday chapel. Never, ever happened. Well, it happened twice, and the same story took place. So, it's in the first place, I am a little bit sometimes sensitive to the Lord. And that you don't want any money in your pocket if you're sensitive to the Lord, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, here I am. They make this appeal, and they lay this deal out, and they're trying to get money out of these turnips. I mean, blood or whatever this is. And uh, so, the Lord impressed my heart. Um, give that $5. And it's like, ah, I've got to have part of that to do this date. It's going to cost me five bucks. The one thing that was really expensive back then was the kind of corsages. And some of us were so proud we couldn't get something any simpler. It had to be a white orchid. Okay. That's kind of dumb, but that's the pride that I was dealing with right here. So I said, I mean, I, you know, you just don't say anything. You can't do it. Not going to do it. Can't do it, not going to do it, can't do it, not going to do it. And the service goes on and can't do it, not going to do it, can't do it, not going to do it. And they took the offerings. The guy stood in the doorways as we went out with a basket. You know the story. I walk out and drop my five bucks in there and went downstairs and got my letter and it had $10 in it. And... That happened to me twice, and one of the times, Mom wrote me and said, did you get an extra $5? I, I had $5 of my money laying there, and I can't find it. <laughs> yes! Oh, for this absent-minded mom, you know, glory to God. Uh, that's a true story, guys. That's the truth. Now, you say $5, $10. Just put zeros behind that if you need to to make that important. That was monstrous in my life. 
How would the Lord give me twice in a week when I always got five bucks? Didn't strain him. Kind of frustrated my mom temporarily. But they weren't poor. Dad could give her another five. He just didn't give very much to me. But I had all I needed. And, of course, if you didn't need to date, didn't drive your car, you know, all of that stuff was kind of paid for. Even a lot of the laundry was paid for right there as a part of my school bill. So God answers his people in spite of us, in spite of our hesitancy to believe him, he does it. And I want, I want to give you one more challenge before we pray. The rich will rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. There is legitimate motivation for us to get money together. My dad, when he would uh, do premarital counseling with uh, the young people in the, in the church where he pastored for many years, uh, he had this line, and this is a quote. This is what he would say. Now, you guys need to get some shekels together. You need to get your shekels together. And it's, it was like, Why? And he would go over to that story where the ruler gave amounts of money to separate individuals that were his servants and slaves and told them to increase that. And one of them got this large, large amount out of, out of the one thing. And then the last one that came before him didn't even get interest on the money, just buried it. It was safe. Everything, here it is. You got it. And the Lord wasn't real pleased with him. But what dad would pull out is take his and give it to the one who has 10. And they said, but master, he already has 10. And the Lord said to whomever uh, or whoever it is that has, has stuff, more will be given. More will be given. You say, that's kind of weird. Well, Edgar was kind of weird, but that's, that's what he taught. And he would say, get your shekels together. And so I think I'll just quote him. Get your shekels together in a material sense. First of all, agree with your spouse and do that. Have some money. Secondly, when you get it together in the Lord with your faith in him, he will make it work for you, even if you didn't have any shuckles that you got together, but you were obedient in what he said. Next week, I'm going to talk to you some more about this, and I will define some of this about what the Lord says. And if you're not, uh, if you're not tithing and so forth, I want you to pray this week. Don't just stay away, because I said I'm going to preach on tithing. Chicken, you never have stayed away before when the subject was tough. So just come on and listen to what the preacher says. But what I want you to do is say, Lord, he's, he's making it like if I give something, we'll actually have more money, not less. Now, is that really you? And if it is, would you speak to my heart? Try that. Is that a safe prayer? He's a perfect father. He's not going to hurt you. 
I know sometimes we, we project our own passive-aggressive tendencies on God Almighty. Don't do that. It's not accurate. He loves you. And so, may God bless that to you. Now, if you are not walking with the Lord, wow, this is a great place to be because God loves you. He has, I think, sent you here this morning so that you could hear me say that God is not out to get you with a big fist, but he is out to get you up on his lap and love you and heal you and make your life fulfilled the way you would like it to be. May we pray. Father, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for your life in Jesus. Thank you for your hope. And I ask right here and right now that you will speak to these dear ones who are not walking with you and draw them up onto your lap.